Well, welcome everyone to season two. We're super excited. Um, hope that you've enjoyed listening through season one. And we're really excited to share with you what we've got in the bag for season two, a number of really different and fascinating conversations that we had so much fun in recording. And well, I don't know, Tim, you, you edited it. So I don't know if you had that much fun in editing. I did, I did. <laughs> but the recording was fun and I'm grateful that you did the editing. And it's so much fun to be back and chatting together a little bit more and now sharing with you, the listener, this journey that we've been on in the last few months when we've been a little bit silent. But hopefully that's given you a chance to just catch up on some of the earlier episodes. And so, yeah, so in this intro, we're going to just share with you some of what's coming up through season two, uh, some of our own thoughts. We've got a couple of recordings that we're going to do interspersed amongst some of our guests. But uh, yeah, let's jump into the details and we'll share with you what uh, part of what this journey is going to look like. So welcome back. It's fantastic to be back from my side as well. Yeah, this is this has been a very different experience, Steve. Mm. Season one, we really just had a series of conversations and then edited them and then posted them afterwards. But this is the first time in my life that I've actually done a series of conversations like ahead, like this ahead and actually try to frame any kind of meaningful or coherent season. So this has been a massive, massive learning curve and a wonderful privilege to interact with such phenomenal people. Yeah, I echo that. So why don't you tell us uh, some of the some of the people that we're going to hear up in season two ahead? What can we look forward to? I, I'm very excited to to have some people on that I've I've known in past as public personalities, and I've read their stuff and engaged with them a little bit, you know, uh, just just online, but never really had the privilege of engaging most of these people in person. And so there's a couple of people that I've I've really just been very excited with. There's one or two people that I have known and one or two people that I've, I've, I've really just met. Mm. But yeah, off my top of the head, we are featuring wonderful people like David Hayward, the Naked Pastor, who produces a whole bunch of comics uh, strips and helps people deconstruct. There's Rick, Richard Jacobson, the good famous uh, unchurching guy who wrote Unchurching as a book, produced a whole bunch of YouTube videos, and, and really is, is, is helping people deconstruct the institution of the church. We could get, get to know him a little. Uh, I guess the other person that is 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 probably really well known that we that we also have is Brian McLaren, who is very famous for his work on deconstruction and the notion that the world is changing. You know, there's a big transition between the modern and postmodern world, and really, what does that mean for Christianity and and you know mm. people's beliefs and their faith and the practice of it? And then there's 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 a there's a number of other people that are, are authors and individuals that uh, that we've really just gotten to know and interact with you know all of them have just been fantastic conversations it's just been been really mm. good stuff i really enjoyed what you had to say the other day while we were chatting with one of our guests that in some ways we've done some sort of uh, uber internet work <laughs> 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 yes picked up a couple of strangers over the internet well you've actually done that a little bit you've been <laughs> a little bit better at picking up strangers over the internet than i've been able to do and that's been really exciting that we've actually met some people and done some sort of first-hand conversations um, with people who have extraordinary stories. And that's what I've enjoyed, the balance between, you know, there's some big names that we've kind of put out that I've just been, I've been amazed at. It's been so cool. We just like popped some, something out into the ether of the internet. And I can't believe what the hooks brought back. It was very cool. But then to balance that, uh, people who haven't sort of lived in the limelight and in the public eye and who have just lived out their lives and their deconstructions. And that's been really cool. And there've been a few people, we've done local uh, guests and international. I've enjoyed that as well. So we've got a couple of 
of local voices from South Africa. So if you're listening internationally, then those are your international guests. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, um, yeah. But uh, it's been so cool. We chatted with Dion Forster from Stellenbosch, uh, where he's a head of, uh, I think, systematic theology, if I remember correctly. Mm. We chatted with Christopher Harrison, who comes out of the Methodist Church and is now working alongside some of the church planting and Fresh Africa and some of the new sort of movements happening within South Africa and a little bit further into Africa, if I remember him correctly. So that's been exciting. We've talked with John van der Laar, who's just launched his online Evo Faith community. And that was really exciting to hear his deconstruction from also from the Methodist Church and into something very different. And yeah, just then some voices of individuals that I, that I mentioned earlier. That's been really, really cool to hear their individual stories. And I guess just the vulnerability with which some of our guests have spoken mm. has really bowled me over, especially mm. our Uber strangers, I must say. <laughs> like, to just pick up an initial conversation with someone that you barely know and be able to really share deeply. In some ways, that seems to be a bit of a marker. Maybe I'm, am I stretching it here? A little bit of a marker of deconstructionists? There seems to be a, a desire and a willingness to share vulnerably. What do you think? Very much so. I think there is a, a big generational change in the world between people that weren't vulnerable emotionally and mm. people who didn't let their process be known and almost like a, like a new generation of people in the world where that kind of vulnerability, that sharing in the process is not something that threatens them. It doesn't threaten their identity. It doesn't make them insecure. And, and you know, just mm. it's a mutual value in the sense that, that, that in many situations, if you do share vulnerability, you're judged and you're, you're kind of like lowered on the rung. You know, you, 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 your, yeah. your, rating, your star rating goes lower, you know, in the relational yes. app that they, that they have in their head. Whereas, 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 whereas I, think, I think within deconstruction, the degree to which people can actually plumb the depth of their experience and their, their beliefs that really live into that is the mark and the degree to which they can share that. And, mm. and, and along those lines, I mean, we've, we've had three individuals that have just been fantastic for us to chat to. Uh, one of them is, is John mm. Eliaston. He and I go way back to my earlier days in, in ministry. Uh, years and years ago, uh, to him pastoring a church that I was at and uh, me running a, a ministry venture. Mm. And then there's been Natalie Simmons, who has planted a small church and then, then left. And her story is just, uh, is just fantastic. I mean, the, some of the vulnerability with which she spoke really just, just, just struck me. Mm. Yeah. Looking forward to sharing that one. And then, of course, Julie mm. McVeigh was just fantastic. You know, she's authored a, a book on leaving Christianity and leaving the church. And, and just the conversation with her, just I, I think, just hit a particular depth of vulnerability mm. that, that, that really just, just spoke to me. It really just invites me to go deeper in my conversations as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's fair to say that, uh, I'm sure you'd echo this, we're so incredibly grateful for the people who've given up their time to join us in season two and share their journeys and share their experiences, some of their hurts, some of their hopes, some of their dashed hopes even around life and God and the church and this institution and what it could be and how it should be and whatever the other questions, you know, that we meandered through with them. It's been such a privilege and a joy to be able to connect with them and hear their stories. And yeah, I think we're so excited to share them with you, the listener. I, I'm struck by just going back to some of the, the, the research that I've done. I was, I was introduced to the, the idea of grounded theory or grounded methodological theory years ago. I don't know mm. if you're familiar with that, Steve. But it's, it's the whole thing of, of there's a phenomena 
And as the researcher, you take the objective stance of going, the phenomena itself must be what defines itself as opposed to me defining it, you know, as opposed to the researcher Hmm. defining it. What I really loved about this is having a series of conversations with people and allowing almost the categories of deconstruction to emerge naturally from those conversations. Mm. And so we've, we've, we've structured the episodes in such a way that the ways in which people are deconstructing, at least in terms of the broad framework, is, is lent a little bit of, of substance. But it's not an artificial substance that we created. It just naturally mm. emerges from the conversations. And I feel like I, I, I just absolutely loved that because often mm. deconstruction is treated by people who really buy into the institutions of faith as negative, people leaving and going out on their own, they're treated as they're betraying or losing their faith, you know, or mm. worse, becoming the enemy of faith. And what I love about this is as people tell their stories, their genuine stories, they, the way in which they tell it differs based on personality. But the one thing that is just consistent through everyone that, that shared these conversations with us is that their journey is their own journey. They're responsible mm. for the journey they're responsible for the decisions that they made, including the ones that led to some brokenness and frustration. But the key thing for me that, that really stands out through all of this is that not a single person here is actually defined by that. They, they're actually, what comes across, at least as I listened to, to them and spoke to them, is the sense of the period where they were very much a part of religious institutions, very much a part of the church, was a valuable time for them. And this is the time after that time. And there's different reasons as to why they deconstructed. But in general, it's a new season in their journey rather than a season that is defined by a loss or an institutional brokenness or rejection or anything like that. I love that. I mean, and there's, I think there's so many things, you know, we could pick up on that. But one of the ones that we've been talking about is that idea of kind of spectrum. And that, uh, you know, one of the things I was sharing with you earlier is uh, when you come from an atmosphere where things are very black and white, left and right, right and wrong, up and down, you know, these dualistic categories, then you're in or you're out. Mm. And so Mm. when you're in, you're defined in one way, and to be out is to be defined in one way. And Mm. it's just one box. But what's been so so wonderful here is to see just the spectrum of deconstruction. And I think that's something that I'm personally excited by, as I saw, and I was challenged by it as well, actually, if I'm honest. Mm. to see the spectrum of deconstruction, that it's not as easy to peg down, as you're saying, you know, the, the experiences are authentically unique to each person mm. and the journeys are authentic and unique. And it's difficult to peg it down and just say, well, it is this or it is the next thing. Yeah. And I'm keen for you as the listener to, to just be able to, it's kind of like a buffet, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it. And you can just wander up with a plate and you get different options. So we're yep. not just going to serve you spaghetti and mince here. I think you, I really want to encourage you as the listener, as I've had to, and I've been able to, mm. and I've been allowed to, to just dive deep into a number of different stories that exist on this spectrum of deconstruction. The idea for this, which I'm, which I'm hoping uh, communicates as you listen to the upcoming episodes, is that we really wanted to have a natural conversation with people, but have some structure to that conversation. There's two things for us to explore here. One is, is, is we had three key questions that we, we asked everyone in different ways, but then there was an ethos that we had as well. And that ethos is one of, of deep listening, of making time to listen to someone and to really try to understand their experience and their life experience and their journey as they understand it tease out that experience, draw out that experience, you know, in terms of 
whatever piques our curiosity. You know, I, I find when I talk to people, I'm mm. fascinated. It's, it's almost like they're, a, they're, they're this wonderful puzzle, <laughs> you know, and, and I just want to dig into them and get to know them and see how different things work together in their life and in their experience. And I'm always fascinated how two different people in the same situation, the exact same situation, can come up with such vastly different experience. And I'm, mm. I, I try to be very careful not to project my experience and my assumptions onto people. But <laughs> mm. I, I'm not mm. claiming that I get it right. I'm just saying I practice it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not necessarily <laughs> really good at it. So, so here, I, I think there's definitely a, a mixture that, that I think as the listener, I, I hope you appreciate that there's some conversations where there's a bit of a pushback and a bit of challenging, a bit of wrestling over ideas. And there's others, conversations and situations which, are, which, which is just listening, listening to someone and their experience. Mm. And in some conversations, you'll find both. These weren't gender-based conversations. We didn't go in with a, a particular idea of what we wanted people to say or not say, or come in with an idea of we're hoping they're going to say something so that we can just tackle them, you know, high tackle them <laughs> from the left or anything like that. They're just natural conversations. <laughs> or that, the, that they could immediately prop up our arguments either. <laughs> <laughs> Although serendipitously, there was one or two situations where that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But that, yeah, it was such a joy to be able to just widely explore. And so perhaps it's helpful just let's share those three questions with the listener. Yeah. And then I want to ask you to just take us a little bit deeper into the, the listening deeply sort of framework. I think that would be really helpful to, to just explore that a bit further. So, so very simply, the three questions that we prepared, um, as Tim said, not to, to, to bring you know, an agenda to the conversations, but it's also helpful to have a slight framework, was we asked, the, uh, we asked our guests, firstly, if they would be willing to tell us about their first experience of God. And coupled to that often was, you know, if they had gone into this sort of quote-unquote professional ministry space within the church's institution. To also, they could comment on what their calling into ministry was like. And it was so wonderful to just hear the responses to that as people shared quite deeply around experiences of God, first experiences, some really early ones. You know, that if, if I think back to 10 or 15 years ago within myself, I would have never thought it possible for people to describe spiritual experiences from five or six years old. You know, I would have immediately discounted that. But that was really, that was really quite something. I love that as well, because it, it also, in many ways, these conversations, they showcase the range from the dramatic, immediate, very certain kind of experience to the amorphous mm. process where it is clear in retrospect, but it, it took years or it took, took mm. months you know, to, to, to be able to go, okay, this, this whole thing of experiencing God was a, was a journey over time. And for others, it was mm. an event. And I love the interplay between that and the, the nuancing of that that just comes out. I thought it was fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then question two was for them to tell us about some of their deconstruction journey. And so it was anything raging, raging. <laughs> There's a wonderful <laughs> Freudian slip. I love that. Anything, <laughs> anything ranging from um, sort of early experiences coming into the church's institution. You know, we'd had some people talking about, you know, from early on there were questions and what was kind of going on here throughout their experience to then how they left and what it was like. And some incredibly poignant comments from some people around the actual emotions of that time. 
which I thought was so helpful. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that as uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that that is a handle for people doing their deconstruction, that they can be aware of their own emotions in these moments because they, I mean, these moments are fraught with emotions. They are, they, they're almost overflowing with emotional content, which if we are unable to unpack and, and work through, you know, sits with us for many, many years. And so, okay, this is a bit of a loaded comment, so I'll say this. I think church, church institution is not always good at helping us to be present to our emotional selves. I think especially if you come from more of a fundamentalist kind of background, a very rigid, you know, sort of space. And having myself also done some of that work and then worked with people who've come through that process, once they're able to actually then own their emotional selves, they can go back and they can unpack the content of those experiences. And it's been really rich and rewarding for them. And so what I'm trying to say there is that it was just so rich and rewarding to listen to some of our guests. Mm-hmm. unpack those emotions because in a way there's this kind of permission giving there mm-hmm. i think is is a part of it that i see mm-hmm. around being able to go sure you know as i'm deconstructing this is hard or perhaps i'm losing friends or i'm facing some of the emotional uncertainty around moving away from certainty and you know what do i believe and am i going to be safe and will i be protected and who is god and there's a number of those things that really play out at a deeply emotional level is often we are we are divided, we're locked into positions and beliefs, and we discuss mm-hmm. them in the abstract. We're not necessarily understanding that these these beliefs, you know, some people use the word dogmas or you know religious beliefs or whatever theology. Mm-hmm. They're actually they, they don't just exist on paper. They mm-hmm. they influence people's lives and their journeys. And what I like about the conversations that we had is although there's a dipping in in and out of of concepts and ideas, what came across for me was very much these are people who in this Mm. situation, their experiences, their lives are affected by these beliefs. And in that sense, beliefs are deeply important because of the impact that they have on people's lives. And there's a degree to which these beliefs enable people to do stuff. And there's a degree to which it disables or inhibits them. And Mm. and I, I just love getting a bit of a sense of that just from just from people just telling the story of like, just the open ended, you know, what was it an event? Was it a process? Was it a, an idea? Was it a conversation? You know, what, what was that deconstruction? What got the ball rolling? What brought you to the place of, of basically going, I'm, I'm out or this isn't working or this has got to change. Mm. You know, it's, there's some rich conversations, <laughs> very rich yes. conversations and, and just the privilege of someone being willing to share the personal, the personal impact, the personal journey, and and for us to be able to have that available uh, on this podcast mm. is just phenomenal. It's it's just what a privilege. I think that's such a good point. I mean, it is almost worth belaboring. I think this idea of privilege, because I juxtapose it against the risk, the inherent risk of being that vulnerable. And I think for anyone who's come out of a very rigid institution you know just how risky it is to be vulnerable like that. And in fact, I think for many of us, <laughs> the movement into deconstruction, the, the genesis is in that risk of yeah. having been more vulnerable, more open, asking more questions, more authentically ourselves, you know, as we were becoming this person who started to ask deeper questions and doubt and you know, reject or whatever it might be. And, and so there is this, this wonderful privilege, I think, for us in the conversations and also 
you know, for the listener as well, that we're invited into a space that is incredibly intimate and personal. And it's such a privilege to be able to see the person's stories for what they are. Very much so. And the third question? Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, I should probably quickly summarize them so our poor listeners have in a 10-second space all three questions <laughs> together because it's just so rich and so enjoyable that I want to dash off down a rabbit hole every time I, I state the question. Question one was, please tell us about your early ex- earliest experience of God or early experiences of God along with experience of being called into ministry. Question two was some of your journey within institution and then deconstruction, specifically focusing on the deconstruction journey. And then question three was kind of what comes after? And that's a very wide open question. I think that's part of the joy of doing it this way was that it was intentionally wide open. Um, And so part of it encompassed questions along the line of, you know, where do you see the church? What do you see as church? Do you see church as being useful, helpful, important, healthy, you know, a number of things there. But it's really the question of what comes after the deconstruction. And so in some ways, for me at least, you know, I hear it around some of that cycle of having been in an order phase and then descended into some chaos and some deconstruction into when you start to put some of these pieces back together, what does the tapestry start to look like? What is the mosaic like of life after the institution? Or you know, in, in your different space, either alongside the institution. And it's difficult to just uh, encapsulate in one statement because our guests were so, it was such a, a varied offering. But really the what has come after was, was question number three. Mm. Oh, what I loved as well is just uh, the rich variety of how people answer that. You know, some, some people have gone mm. from a career in ministry to having a career after as a deconstructionist. Some people have mm. gone from working with communities to working with communities, <laughs> you know, mm. uh, in mm. different spaces and phases. And other people have gone from being professional into ministry to being an individual within the life who isn't trying to work with a community as well. And so there's, mm. there's quite a wide range here. Well, I think I want to ask you this question because for me that that catapults us back into the conversation around deep listening. Yeah, I think is how you described it earlier. And so tell us some more around you. Know, I'm I'm quite familiar with that framework, but our listeners might not be so. But I think it's so important that when you're going to be provided with such a wide variety of stories, that we're able to really integrate this. That's kind of a, it's a skill set, but it's also a bit of an art, you know, isn't it? More than a science in terms of deep listening. So maybe take us a little further back into that around how we can start to listen to this variety of conversations. Part of it starts with, with understanding that there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. You know, with sympathy, you go through an experience, you talk to someone, they've gone through an experience. So of course, you know what the answer is and, and what they're going through. Why? Because that's what you went through. Sympathy is often not very helpful to anyone <laughs> because it's not about you, it's about, it's about them. Empathy is a, is a challenge of trying to understand someone else's experience for what it means to them. And so some mm. people have the understanding that, that if you haven't been through this, you can never understand me. And I, I, that's, that's totally bogus because we all have this capacity for empathy. It's like a muscle. And we could mm. exercise it with our kids, for those of us that are parents. We could exercise <laughs> it <laughs> with our partners, for those of us that are in, in relationships. And we often find that mm. we're not necessarily good at it, but we're expected to be good at it. And so deep mm. listening is, is an opportunity to practice empathy. It's an opportunity to practice 
listening to someone, not for how you want to respond to them, not for where they've said something that you disagree with, not for where you want to correct them, not for the advice that you want to give them, but it's practicing listening to them to almost go beyond just, I understand what you're saying, to I see you. It's, it's an exercise in intimacy. It's an exercise in allowing someone to take that, that mask off, the mask that we've got to wear in our society where we go, I'm okay and I'm strong and I'm successful and I'm beautiful and I'm wonderful all the time. Mm. You know, we, we wear that as a mask. It's, it's the face we put out to the world. In deep mm. listening, there's the permission to take that mask off. There's the permission to talk more deeply, to go deeper than just the, the surface levels of intimacy, which is, which is the factual stuff. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. How's the weather? The weather's great. Did you watch the sport? There's no intimacy there. That's just, that's just our, social, that's our social glue, you know, social lubricant, really. And then, and then there's a step. It reminds me of so many of my guy-to-guy conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the guy-bonding kind of conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know him that well, so we'll just stick to the weather and politics. Yeah. And then, and then, there's, <laughs> and then there's exactly that, the one where you go into the politics, the what do you believe, what do I believe? And on that basis, I include you in my life or I exclude you. If we believe the same and we've got the same opinions, we've got the same causes, we've got the same interests, then we get on. But, but we don't really get on. We've just, we, we're just going together in something as an activity, really. You know, we're getting along by doing something together, but we're not actually getting to know each other. And then there's a step below that in terms of intimacy where you get into not just the events, but how did it affect you? Not just what mm. you did, but how you feel about how you behaved. What mm. do you genuinely think? What do you hope for? What do you dream for? Where's your pain? Where's your need? Where's your desire? And at that point, you're getting into the depth of, of relationship with someone. And I, I think of the, the art of deep listening as the art of getting through the surface layers and just scratching the mask that someone wears to, 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 to knocking on it a bit. You know, whether mm. that knock is, is, is the right, it's not necessarily the right metaphor, but it's literally it's like knocking on yeah. a door and saying, hey, open up a little bit. Just, just tell me a bit mm. more. I actually want to know you. But then together with that, you actually have to, you have to listen. You have to practice that art of going, I'm listening to the person to get to know them for who they are and to hear the experience for what it means to them. It's not about me. It's not about what it evokes in me. It's not about uh, whether they're saying the right things to make me happy or anything like that. But then also, it's not mm. about trying to fix them. It's not mm. about trying to change them. It's not about trying to give them an answer or, or tell them to believe or behave differently. It's about trying to understand what motivates this person? What drives their, their, you know, what, can I see what it is that's unconscious in them that, that, that affects their choices and their decisions and their reactions in life? Can I hear that experience for them in the way it affected them and shaped them and understand why it is they walk with the limp or the one arm is stronger than the other? You know, like mm. what, 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 what has brought about their, this, this strength or this weakness in them? What has really touched them deeply? And so I feel like, like, like deep listening is, is really hard to teach people. It's particularly hard to teach men. <laughs> you know, I think it, it is possibly something that just culturally women have a lot more permission to, to have those kind of conversations than, than men do. Mm. But for me, it's really just the ethos that drives these conversations. I, I don't think I necessarily stick to it well, as I say, I'm practicing. I think, Steve, you do, a, you do a fantastic job of staying present to people. <laughs> You're very kind. 
<laughs> I feel like I should interrupt you quickly just to uh, <laughs> level the playing fields. Touche, <laughs> touche. I think it's just that, you mm. know, it, it, it's challenging. If someone, if, if someone changes beliefs, often that's quite threatening to people. But why did they change their beliefs? Listening is, is not about feeling the offense or feeling the affront or feeling the insecurity or the stress around that. It's about going, mm, that's interesting. Why? What is this leading to in the person's life? What's going on for them? I think it's one of those things, one of those, those parts of, of being human that you can explore for many, many, many years and you're continually refining and learning new things, etc. cetera. Um, but you've got to start somewhere. And so it's a very helpful way of, of understanding that, that relinquishing of your agenda. I think that's, that's very much listening. Or perhaps it's more refining your agenda down to almost a single point, which is to make the other person feel very heard, which is the process of you getting to know them. Yeah. Is really someone sharing the experience of telling their story and coming away going, I feel heard, I feel seen. I feel I feel like someone has mm. appreciated me and and made it safe for me to tell, you know, to tell them my story mm. or my experience. Which which conversely as as you as you I think do a little bit more than hint at. It requires a lot of a lot of work and a lot of maturity. I think listening is sometimes, you know, when I talk to people about listening, it's often often seen as a very passive thing, but it's really not. Just sitting like a lump in a chair is not listening at all. And there's actually a lot of work to be done by the listener in terms of really taking in what's going on. And I think part of that is being able to let go of some of your own stuff. Not not in some sort of miraculous, magical way in the moment. Suddenly you're completely healed of your own fears and insecurities and all the rest of that but it's not allowing that to override this listening imperative to override the attention that you're paying to the other person to override the the priority of their experience in a way and their personhood actually more than just the experiences their personhood over whatever fears or insecurities you might have and i think that's often a like i mean i i see it all the time on social media engagements often but I think specifically within deconstruction can be quite a threat because what you describe about listening to somebody to fix them mm. <laughs> I think is usually is one of the antidotes, I think, that people try to bring to bear on deconstructionists. We'll listen just long enough till we can find the crack and then go, but this is why you're wrong and you shouldn't leave or you shouldn't go away. You shouldn't change your beliefs. And often if, if I'm able to sit in a conversation where there's three of us and I can sit and observe a speaker and a listener, mm. and then I see the listener speak from that space, mm. often I'm left wondering, what are your fears? What are your concerns? What are your anxieties? Mm. What are your uncertainties? Because it sounds so much as though you're actually doing less to try to convince the person not to leave for their own sake. Rather, actually, you're a little bit worried that they're I can only just, for some reason, grasp at a biblical picture, right? <laughs> They're wandering around with their musical instruments around your Jericho, and you're a little concerned that their noise is going to make your walls come down. And so actually, it has very little to do with the other person and helping them in their experience. Or even if you, if you, you, know, if you genuinely feel you're trying to stop them hurting themselves through stopping them deconstructing, mm. I, I don't know if it actually has to do much with the other person so much as us not being aware of our own stuff. Mm. And so there's a lot of work to be done there when you deeply listen to people, you know, which you're talking about there, to just set that to one side. I, I first came across it when I started watching documentaries and doing research into 
like just some some of the horrific ends of I think the human spectrum, like murderers and pedophiles and all sorts of things. And this is quite loaded, but because I, I must be careful, I'm not going to make any comments about those people. Let me just be clear. <laughs> but what was very challenging for me was to listen to people's stories mm. in the face of what I'd seen that they had done with their lives. And I started to learn that it is possible to listen to, let's say, a murderer's story and discover some incredibly disturbing, mm. upsetting, saddening things about them as a person, perhaps. Mm. But in some ways, almost overshadows, and I must be careful here, but it was, it, was a, it was a learning curve for me around listening to someone to go, I'm not going to use that story necessarily to say, well, it's okay that they killed 10 people. That's not what I'm saying. But I was really able to listen to what was going on in the person, and I slowly started to develop it there, to take that interest in, well, well why did you end up where you were and take the decisions you did and the behaviors you did, et cetera. That might be a little bit loaded, perhaps. But it was very powerful for me when I had to when I had to sort of do some of that work. I think it's an example of one of those those edge case things where where you're so far out of your comfort zone. And what what are we used to? We're used to writing people off. We're used to depersonalizing that person. Mm-hmm. If I think back, you know, my my my, my parents. I only spent a, a few short years with my biological parents, but but the, mm-hmm. you know, it was very clear we don't talk about religion, politics, or sex, mm-hmm. and so. Why don't you do that? Because people have differences of opinions and then they're just going to fight with each other and they can't have relationships, right? And that's it, no. so you don't talk about it. And I think, I think for the most part in our society, that's often the case as well. There's often, and I have those conversations less, but with people who are really convinced about their, their, their beliefs, they're, they're, they're often trying to sell mm-hmm. you a belief package that you've got to buy into and then you can be friends. And so, so believing and behaving mm-hmm. go together with belonging. What I love about this in terms of deconstruction is that that's not the case. And I, I certainly feel closer to each and every single one of the people that we've spoken to. I feel like for me, that's, mm. that's you know, the outcome of deep listening. Or, you know, maybe I should throw the active in that you put in there, the deep active listening, <laughs> because it certainly isn't passive. It's actually the measure to which the relationship grows and to which you, this person moves from being the unknown to someone that you know that little bit better. For me, in, in this situation, it's it's a question of getting to a place where I feel like I understand I understand someone, understand what motivated them or drove them, and I, I can I can appreciate them agendaless in the sense that I I don't want to change their behaviour, I don't want to change their thinking, I want to hear their process, and and that enriches me. It 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 it, it deepens my understanding of life, my understanding of what people go through and what motivates them. I spent uh, a little while recently fighting with a church leader <laughs> who carried on throwing simplistic <laughs> things to me of like, you know, if you love Jesus, you'll go to church. And, you know, uh, your measurement of your love for Jesus is how often you pitch up in church, like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I just made a point of just going, you know, it was part of, a, of an activity of mine. I basically set out for a year to go, if people say shit online, <laughs> I'm going to respond. So if they say something about something <laughs> I care about, I must respond. And I'm not good at responding to that kind of stuff. And I, I know that. But, but for a sure. year, I did it as an act of discipline to go, I need to do that. And, and part of what I bumped up against is this person over and over going church this, church that. And their response every time sure. to, to me was a matter of, of, of basically coming at me with something highly simplistic and reductionistic. And I'd respond in a deep way and give a, a longer answer, which in their case was very unwelcome. And the answer was always, I'll think about it and get back to you 
but of course that's a conversation closer <laughs> in the coming world yeah, yeah in the coming world and of course for them that's just one thing after another that leads to a break in the relationship and i feel like often when you're mm. dealing with highly uh, religiously convicted people <laughs> you know they mm. that's what it's like the minute you start bumping up against any beliefs it leads to a break in relationship what i loved about these mm. conversations is i don't feel like uh, and the guests are free to leave a comment here. <laughs> I, I, I certainly feel <laughs> like like the conversations left the relationships in a better place. I came away understanding, appreciating everyone at a much deeper level, and and even even where I differ in terms of ideas uh, with people, I don't feel like the relationship is affected by that. I feel like there's there's the mutual respect, the the arriving at a place of I, I understand you, and and the world is big enough. You know, the world is big enough for these various ideas to to coexist, you know, in different spaces. We don't have to lose relationships over it. I love that because part of what I hear you saying is that the, I think for me, the, the very simple form of the relationship where you talk about believing, behaving, belonging, right, has a lot to do with evaluation comes very early on in terms of relationships. So we'll evaluate your ideas, your beliefs, your Ooh, and, and accountability. We're going to hold each other accountable. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One of the phrases that usually just makes me vomit like violently and loudly immediately as soon as I hear it. But, but it's that evaluation thing, right? Like, are you going to be good enough to be connected with me? And what this does is, I don't think it does away with evaluating. As you say, you know, there's, there's spaces to disagree. But if that is the leading edge in the conversation, do I agree or do I disagree, that will always obscure the ability to listen and really see the other person because you will always be listening with that filter of, mm. I'm just waiting for them to say that thing that I know is coming mm. that will just, oh, okay, there we go. See, Republicans always say that <laughs> for our friends in the US, you know, or Democrats or, you know, in our locals, EFF or ANC or DA or white or black or whatever, all the things that can disconnect us have a lot to do with we're leading with this evaluation of are you going to say the right thing? Will it sync with my beliefs? Will we gel? Won't we? And that's for me this risky space of listening that you're describing, mm. which is you put the evaluation down towards the end actually and go, now that I really know you, I mean, I can think about what you have to say and whether that gels with me or not, but actually the priority here is the connecting and really getting to know you. I recently had a, a conversation with someone I've known them for, for decades, count them as a, as a friend. They theologically studied, mm. all that kind of stuff. And just as the last few years, the conversations have become increasingly abrasive. And I feel like every time I have a conversation with them, they are boxing me and judging me and trying to test to see if I hold to certain faith positions. And they're always forcing the conversation mm. that way. And it's just, it's just artificial. And of course, my, my natural reaction is to, is to escape that because the presenting questions are different. You know, from the position of deconstruction, the landscape changes. And because the landscape changes, your, the, the markers that you looked on the horizon are different. But for people that are very much locked into religions and religious institutionalism, their markers are very clear to them and their boundaries are very clear. And they project that onto mm -hmm. you. And I always feel like those conversations aren't helpful. I'd much rather, you know, and I don't often end up being in spaces enough where I'm talking to people that are trying to understand me, trying to understand how I arrived at my beliefs or my processes, or even trying to understand what my actual experiences are. You know, what is my actual experience of God? Where am I going with it? What, 
what do I feel called yeah. to and why? You know, those, those are deep questions to answer as opposed to, well, these are the historic markers of the Christian faith. And I'm trying to hold you accountable to see if you still fit this particular mold and why aren't you trying to plant mm, a church? Mm. You know, that kind of stuff has not helped. I, I hope that one of the things that we've really captured in these podcasts, in, in these episodes, is, is the ability to have a long, deep conversation. Some of these podcasts are a single episode, others are two episodes. And that's with the episode mm. that doesn't air, <laughs> you know, the episode or two that doesn't air. Because some of these conversations were really long, but, but they were, they, they were mm. fascinating. You know, I find myself energized by them. I want to go back to them. And it's different to those conversations that I have with people that, that I guess push me more towards deconstruction. One fails the, the litmus test of what it means to listen to someone deeply and actively. You're listening uh, in order to break the relationship or fight or push them away. Very much so. You know, I think I've been just reflecting on some of my own sort of feelings and experiences from the conversations uh, and to just kind of throw the cat in amongst the pigeons a little bit. And that might be the completely wrong metaphor. <laughs> so as the listener, please fill the space with whatever you think actually works there. You know, just, just realizing some of my own inability and unwillingness, actually, I, th I think that's, that's one of the things that, you know, I just sort of have to face is actually an unwillingness to do that deep listening myself, even though it's something that I treasure within me. I mean, it's something that, that if you had to ask me, I would tell you, I mean, it's saved my marriage a few times. It's, it's that deeply ingrained into me uh, in terms of who I am. I use it almost every day or I try to, again, if I say to you, <laughs> I try to use it. You know, I'm trying to flex this muscle in a lot of the work that I do. And there were points in some of the conversations where I could feel myself immediately just transitioning into yeah, well, that's a bit strong, isn't it? <laughs> okay, well, that's now you've gone a bit too far, or oh, maybe you haven't gone far enough, or you know, and just and it's just a, um, I guess by way of sort of a confessional, it was good for me, um, but perhaps I'm also sharing it just from a personal perspective to go, you know, this this kind of listening and this engaging with other people is really really difficult, and so although I might hold myself to have some sort of level of expertise in it theoretically and and hopefully practically. I'm by no means actually an expert and still learning so much. And it was just fascinating to see myself being caught in some of those moments again and wanting to slip back into, well, let me just quickly push the evaluation bar up quickly and just cut this short or it's a bit uncomfortable. Uh, and so even there, just realizing my own work that I need to do to go, sure, why am I under threat by what this person says? Or why, what insecurity is that triggering? Or, you know, what, what might it be? I found myself having the same thing. I mean, in some of the conversations, you know, um, mm. things were said that, that, that triggered me, you know, and so, uh, you know, I, I used this as an image with you, with you earlier, but, 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 you know, someone goes like, I have an ax to grind. And, and my response is go, Hey buddy, you've got nothing. Like, let me pull up my sleeves. Yeah. I'm going to get my <laughs> ax. Like <laughs> I also have an ax to grind. You have a hatchet compared to my ax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then suddenly you're in the world of, of, of whose ax is bigger than whose. And, I think it's important to to understand and to accept that when listening to people deeply, you can get triggered, and that's okay. Mm. And that in that situation, mm. there's a bit of an interplay between going, well, let's change hats. Let's change from being the person that is being listened to to the person that's listening, and to 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 be mm. the person that is actually present to being triggered. You mm -hmm. do that quite well. <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily do. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of one or two uh, things that I, I think I think the listener will, you know, hopefully be sparked by this and, and see that when it comes. There's one conversation where where I felt like 
like me and the other person at one point, they'd read me in a particular way and I'd read them. And even though we've got a lot in common, it's like there's a, there's a bit of the theological jousting and sparring where what you're doing is you're circling each other <laughs> and trying to feel each other out. Like, which position are you actually taking? Are you taking a position? Uh, okay, no, you're not. Uh, now what? And there's a bit of the, bit of the um, you, you know, in fencing, you know, when you, when you take a stab at someone mm, yes. and they, they do, they do a, like, a, like a parry and then they, they come straight and yeah. repost. And so there's a bit of that that comes through through this as a season. And I, I really hope that, the, that, that in the listeners' minds, that's, that's well received. I'm sure it will be because, you know, part of my reflection was that I think the reason I share this with the listener now, actually, and, and I shared it a little bit with you earlier, was because in, in some ways you're more authentic in that because it, it does come out. Whereas I found it easier to just go, okay, well, that's weird. That's awkward. Okay. I'll just quickly file that in the back of my brain for now and continue <laughs> listening. And I think part of it is just an acknowledgement, I guess, that, that we as human beings are so incredibly complex. And I don't say that by way of escaping. I think for me, that's a, that's a, very, a very real reality, just to say something really stupidly alliterative. It is. It's, it's very real for me that I, I would want to make absolutely no bones about the fact that what a listener will hear of me on our podcast is also somebody who is in process. Many of our, in fact, I would say all of us, all of us are in process, all our guests as well. You know, the two of us, you and me, Tim, and that there may be things we would say now that we might not say in 10 years or that we stopped saying 10 years ago that don't show up now, or even now, you know, that I might swallow my tongue a little bit and go, sure, I'm not sure what to do with that. So I'll just carry on listening. And it's at the same time, incredibly genuine, because I do mean to listen to the person, while at the same time, there is this thing that's hidden that uh, the listeners might not pick up that I'm just a little bit more silent. Maybe they will. I think there's some probably, you probably have some incredibly astute listeners who are picking up some of these things. I would be listening to two of us, I guess, with great fascination <laughs> and trying to figure some things out. But it's just wonderfully complex, you know, and I think our guests will show that life is wonderfully complex and we as human beings are wonderfully complex in our experiences. And it's, it's, oh, it's just for me such a privilege to be able to either listen to other people's work where they do things like this and then be able to take part of it myself and see that the sort of kind of the warts and all picture, I guess, in some ways plays its way out. There's a great series, family, uh, romantic drama called This Is Us. I don't know if you know it. Yes, I have The writers that. on that are spectacular in the sense that you've got people in some of the most God-awful situations, some of the most offensive things that can happen, <laughs> and they just say the right thing with the right empathy without being insecure and reactive to each other, that kind of stuff. I want those writers to script us a podcast like that at some point. Would be fantastic <laughs> with a with a guest, just so that I've you know got the right words, got the right script. But that's that's the challenge here. Is that is that we yes. you know we we went in with questions but not scripts, and with that there's the, mm. there's the potential to push a question too far, to make a statement that can offend someone, uh, to be triggered ourselves with what people say. Mm-hmm. And, and with what they ask, you know, especially when people share deep stuff, you know, um, yeah, it's just, mm. it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's been fantastic being able to do that. But at times I've always gone, man, why, you know, especially since I edited this, right? So I, I had a chance to listen through my answers <laughs> to people and just go, how, how emotionally disconnected were you there? Or, you know, what story you should have told Tim or what you should have said, you know? <laughs> So it's been fascinating listening through them sometimes two to three times oh. between the rough cuts and trying to iron it out. And some of it is sure. just left deliberately rough in the sense that it's better rough than trying to 
make it concise. That's that's why I would hear you in terms of that that uh, comment around that series, the story of us, and go, yeah, as tempting as that is, I I I think I'm attached more to what we're doing in terms of, and I think you're saying that as well that it's just more genuine, it's just real, it's authentic, it's real life, and somehow we're either naive or stupid or brave enough or a mixture of the three or some others. To actually be willing to just go through with it and say, okay, well, let's let's just do this and share it with with people in the hopes that this will be helpful. You know, I mean, that's one of my real hopes is that there that there is there is the minimum amount of condescension <laughs> <laughs> with with the maximum amount of I, I see this as a way to try and just serve others who have had similar experiences, if somewhat incredibly different, and have landed in similar spaces, if also some very different spaces to, to issue the, the message that uh, you're not alone and that you're not strange um, and that God doesn't hate you and there are all sorts of other things that can be said there, that you're on a good journey to just be affirming. And, and I like the raw quality of the recordings with the guests because of that. It's been really special. You know, you and I are, are a particular and peculiar kind of animals and we've got particular questions and an avenue that we're going down. And some of our listeners might not relate to us, but they might listen to someone like, 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 like Julie and just go, hey, I loved what you said. Can I connect with you? Or they might listen to David Hayward and go, hey, I love what you're doing, or Jacobson, or Funda Law, or you know, uh, Harrison, or any of the ones that have actually just been on the podcast. And I think, I think what's fantastic is that there, there is this range of deconstruction. And I know we, we set to do some, some conversations in between just around the natural blocks. So I don't want to spoil that for a listener, but there, there are those. Um, but, but I think it's just, it just becomes this rich, diverse tapestry, the spectrum, as you say, you know, you used the word spectrum earlier. And, and, and I guess like whatever people find valuable, for, for me, it's, 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 it, it is that thing of putting on that buffet. So yes, it is, it's, it's theological uber <laughs> and it's, it's buffet-style stuff just in the sense that there are these rich resources. There are people that are, that, are, that are making wonderful contributions to the lives of hundreds of people with what they're doing, you know, and how fantastic that we get to talk to them and just go, hey, you know, yes, yeah, they are, connect with them. I find myself just wanting to return to some of those things, you know, the privilege, how excited we are, um, you know, that sort of stuff. So... Yeah, I, th- I think for me that, I mean, that probably wraps up my thoughts so far. I'm excited to the listener. We would love to hear from you as well. Perhaps I can also just issue that invitation again. Would love to connect with you if you have, if you found these, you know, either season one or now that you, as you start to listen through seasons two, goodness me, we would love to connect with you as you've listened through season one. And now that you're starting to listen through season two, we'd love to hear your journeys would love you to challenge us to take some deep listening <laughs> with you um, and hear your stories and um, would love to hear your thoughts as well. would love you to connect with us. Um, so please, that's a very real invitation. You know, if you feel, if you feel up for it or moved by it, get hold of us, um, you know, either through, um, through the podcast channel itself, I think, or we'll put the, put the details up in the show notes or mention them towards the end ways in which you can connect with us. We're going to do that uh, just in terms of the intro and the outro of the podcast. But the fantastic thing is, is also just uh, the website, uh, urbanmystic.co.za, is going to just have a, a thing on season two. And it's also just got everything that you need to connect with uh, the guests this season. So everyone's got a nice picture and, and a nice bio written by me and, uh, and, and their contact details. So, you know, those are, you know, they, by all means, just 
make the most use of it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm a little bit nervous. It's, this is some vulnerable stuff, you know, um, and we've, we've been vulnerable. The guests have been vulnerable. But I'm, I'm, I'm just really excited to share these uh, conversations. And I just underscore everything that you said there, Steve. Very much looking forward to connecting with people around us and continuing conversations. It's, it's been fantastic to get these conversations out. And this is, this is, uh, this is season two, which is going to take us to the beginning of next year. I've had some phenomenal conversations with some people who've got hold of me from listening to the podcast who haven't been completely convinced by some of our trajectory. And guess, I guess I want to also just make that quite clear. I, I don't see any of this, and I don't think, Tim, either, if I can speak for you for a minute, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, see this as an exercise in echo chamber. You know, we were trying to create just another very rigid um, community of people or connections with people where, you know, if you don't like what we have to say, well, then sod off and die. But it's, you know, even there, there have been some really some really wonderful conversations with people saying, but what did you mean? And why did you say that? And why do you come across this way or whatever it is? And those have been fruitful. And so if you find yourself in that space as well, hell, please go for it. We'd love to hear from you as well. Maybe not hell. <laughs> that might be immediately off-putting. I don't know. So please go ahead. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but then also, yeah, Ditto, Tim, it's been so cool, man. What, a, what an awesome journey. What a privilege. I'm also a little nervous. Um, you know, putting something like this out there. Um, there's always the uh, the potential for being, uh, you know, crucified online. <laughs> the, the joy of the digital life. Will, what do you always say? Guaranteed that it'll reach the one person out there who really hates what you're doing and they'll have something to say along those lines. But anyway, we love you too, buddy. Give us a call. It's okay. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm just going to pick up on from that because because I've I've definitely said one or two things a little bit stronger than you I feel that have definitely treaded on on some people's toes and I've had some feedback along those lines and it's led to some good conversations. You know, I like to say to people, don't don't feel like I can't handle being offended by what you've got to say. You know, I. People, I don't for a moment expect everyone to agree with me or believe as I believe, especially since I'm, I'm, I'm in process, right? <laughs> and, and you know what, I, I feel some things quite strongly and with people that are very committed to certain things um, and people that I've shared a history with in some situations, there, there are things that I'm going to say that are going to offend people and that's okay. You know, the world is big enough for that, you know. Um, so... Um, yeah, that's okay. You know, don't don't let up on me, but feel free to call me up. I'm always open for conversation, and 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 on some things, you know, I'm I'm not only open for conversation. I'm I'm open to change my position. I, I don't see this deconstruction as necessarily being the end of the institutionalism that's out there. I think of of the deconstruction and and the the post secular stuff and the kind of stuff that we want to get into in futures as running in parallel to that. It's it's a step for many people after the religion, and, and in that sense, you know, certainly all the participants here look back and they credit their time in the institution, their life as as having been valuable. Sometimes a mixed bag. Um, sometimes there is an axe to grind and you know what, I've got a few hatchets, I've got a few axes and I love my knives, you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so if, if, if you are amongst those that I've offended deeply, I, I would apologize, but I'd rather just invite you to 
to to have a conversation with me. I'd like to understand what 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 the need is to apologize for and why. And uh, and I'm keen for mm. that to be an exercise in deep active listening on both sides, you know, rather than just one or the other. I certainly don't believe I've got all the answers. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm reading uh, and putting together a PhD proposal now. <laughs> And and again, mm. I've got the sense of 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 little fish, big pond. Not even big fish in a little pond, or big fish transitioning. <laughs> yeah, little fish. Just just for me, there's just a degree to which I there's, I'm never going to arrive at a point that I know enough, or I'm certain enough, or I'm saintly enough, or anything like that. And, and the goal for me is mm. just to be mm. real, you know. And so, you know, and I want to give people the freedom to be the same with me. I want to be a real person in the company of real people. Mm. I love that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love I badly paraphrase uh, Jordan Peterson where he says you'll never do anything critical, um, and by that, not critical is in terms of critique. Critical in terms of important. Uh, if you're not willing to run the risk of offending someone, um, but I love the fact that you uh, that you follow up that up with um, you're not going to just issue an apology because in many ways that actually just cuts the conversation short, and then you don't get the fruit of the engagement. But the invitation is let's engage. Um, and that's particularly something that I've enjoyed and found challenging about all of our recordings together is the invitation, let's engage, because it is really challenging. And there's also a certain amount of joy that comes with that. Yeah, stick with us if you have found this helpful. So looking forward to hearing from you. We hope that you enjoy the conversations with our guests as much as we did. And uh, yeah, we're going to start working on season three now. <laughs>